who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Hey, sweetie, what do you think of our new car from Carvana? Think it can handle our busy family? Well, we have seven days to see. First, we can take the scenic route to the beach and stargaze through the moon roof. We'll see if your drums fit in the trunk. Then we can pick up mommy's friends and check out that leg room. And we should really visit grandma. She's getting up there. That's like... A whole lifetime in seven days. And like one busy family. With our seven-day money-back guarantee, you can confidently shop for cars 100% online. Visit Carvana.com for all terms and conditions. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. everybody and welcome to this special friday live episode here from the geek buddies hey. <laughs> hey. there you go trial by fire there for our go. guests welcome everybody to this live episode of the geek buddies we're so excited that you all are joining us here of course shout out to our friend michael vogel who's in new zealand i hope he's watching right now in another time zone on another day in another time so fascinating to have him joining us i hope you hope you're watching vogel from new zealand but we are very excited to be jumping into all the stuff that happened this week in the world of geekery we've got uh, a conversation to talk about with jenna ortega joining beetlejuice 2 possibly we've got john berthall coming back to the mcu but not foggy nelson and maybe not karen page 
a lot of questions. We've got a big Marvel news dump as well. There's some trailers we're going to dive into. And our big main topic today is, of course, going to be our final Oscars predictions as we are on the precipice of the Oscars happening on Sunday night. So let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddy. Shannon? And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you can see me right now if you have the Stars app in the season premiere of Party Down. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. joining us for this live show, the first time he has come on to the show, very happy to introduce to you all the creator, critic, pundit, man who knows about movies like crazy and pop <laughs> culture, a great Griffin Schiller. How are you, Griffin? Wow. What that's one hell of an intro. Thank you so much for uh, having me on here. I, I'm I'm stoked to be here. Stoked to do the rundown, be a part of the show. This is uh, it feels um weighty. I I hope I fill the seat well. You know that's that's my big concern. <laughs> well, you called him fat. I didn't. So you'll have to deal with that later. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I wasn't even going that <laughs> going there. He just course. booked an earlier flight. He's yeah, coming he back right yeah, now. I, 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 I can see him texting me. Give me the link. I'm coming in. I see um, the snipers outside the door. <laughs> but we should also say Griffin is the co is the creator uh, and host for Film Speak, this fantastic YouTube channel that does film essays every week about films, both current and films that have gone by. And uh, he had just crossed a hundred thousand subscribers earlier this week. So. Shout out to you, Griffin. I mean, what an incredible you. job you've done. You know, we've become friends through yeah. the Hollywood Critics Association, but uh, yeah. mutual respect for each other's work and certainly watching how you've ascended with the work that you've done <laughs> and the, the really fantastic video essays that you yeah. create. And I know you spend a lot of time on. It's just great. It's, I think it's um, 100,000 subscribers well-deserved for you, man, and, and the channel. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that, that's like, honestly, uh, this is like the first time I've really like talked about it with other. I mean, mm. I was outside of like my my personal circle of friends and family, right. and everyone. But like, yeah, I mean, like outside of just like the, the Twitter post, like I haven't even gone live on my channel yet. I'm still yeah. trying to set that up. So it's all like I'm just like, wow, this is something I've been working towards for a while. And to hit that milestone is um, yeah, it's awesome. But thank you for your kind words. I mean, I, I really appreciate that. Like I said, you're someone I've respect in the the space a lot and so i and you know i enjoy watching your your content and your guys's podcast and it's just it's awesome so i'm very honored to be i genuinely mean it when i say i'm very honored to be here so thank you thank you and it's, it's very kind of you griffin and as we're looking at griffin's website or a youtube channel here film speak you see all these great fantastic breakdowns and analysis that he has i mean these thumbnails are very very good thumbnails <laughs> they're well worth your watch i you know he has shown me or sent me scripts sometimes that he has worked on it's incredible to read the analysis and the deep dives that he does with this kind of stuff and you know he's not afraid to take a stance he's not afraid to have thoughts on all the on the uh, things that he's talking about um which i really appreciate about griffin so if you guys haven't you. checked out film speak you should absolutely head over there and watch some of these essays and really get even more knowledgeable about the films that you love or maybe even hate so it's fun to do that as well so uh we are very honored to have griffin hanging out with us today to jump into all the madness that is the geek buddies man um yeah. and real quick before we start uh, Streamlabs and super chats are open it's a live show we've got our super chat right off the bat jmb saying i know this isn't a geek topic per se but roca shannon or griffin have you been watching the wbc thanks as always and hi griffin what is what is wbc I, I don't know jmb yeah. can you clarify what the wbc is world boxing council i don't know what that is so yeah i was thinking something like with because i know you like wrestling and so i'm like is, there, is this a wrestling thing or is this oh. like a 
fighting thing? Like, I, pff, I don't know. I don't know. Shannon, your thoughts? What's your speculation on what's WBC? I have no idea. I mean, I saw WBC. Is like, is that women's basketball? Chain? Like, no, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, right. uh, uh, you know, I, wor, wor, is it World Boxing Championship? I don't know. A World Baseball I, Classic. JMB, uh, this is a geek show. No one's watching a World Baseball Classic up in here. All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> no. Come on, man. Yeah, um, all right, let's move. I don't think the parents of the players are watching the World Baseball Classic. No offense, but let's move on. Um, no. All right, the way the show we're Oh, yeah, we've got to give some love to, of course, Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us on the Geek Buddies through the month of March. We are losing them at the end of March, but that doesn't mean they stop being great people who can help you with their healthcare questions, concerns, or needs. So head on over there and click on there or download the app to have a doc in your pocket so they can help you with any of those uh, concerns or needs on the go. Great people over there, and they're focusing on mental health. They put on some new programs here to help people who are enduring mental health stuff or going through tough periods in their lives. Go and take advantage of the great programs they have there to help you out if you're in a tough spot right now. And if you are in a tough spot, hang out with us. We're going to try to make you laugh and entertain you here as we uh, have some fun talking about these geek news topics, bust each other's balls, and argue over Oscar predictions later on in our show. Oh, so man. It's going to be fun. The way the show works is each of us brings up a geek news item. We talk about it amongst ourselves, and we take a big break and jump into our uh, main topic, which is, of course, Oscars predictions. But let's start, uh, number one, with this news that dropped yesterday on the hot mic and also on the Hollywood Reporter and Variety. To be fair, they had reporters that were on it but weren't willing to publish it just yet. But because Jeff doesn't care about putting his balls out there, he put it out there yesterday on the hot mic on our show that Jenna Ortega is in talks to be in Beetlejuice 2 to play Winona Ryder's daughter. And it is because of all the um, attention and acclaim that she's gotten working with Tim Burton on Wednesday that she felt uh, like she wanted to be part of this project. So, gentlemen, what do you think of this idea of Jenna Ortega being a part of this? Uh, and it seems like this is actually finally going to happen. I mean, I think Griffin should go first. He's the guest. <laughs> oh, man. Put me on the spot. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Jenna Ortega, that casting makes a lot of sense. Um, and especially, yeah, given her work with with Tim Burton uh, on Wednesday and that becoming a phenomenon, her in the yeah. Scream films and all. And I mean, X, uh, like she's kind of carved out a niche for herself in like... I don't, I don't want to say, like, horror specifically, but it is that kind of, like, gothic. Like, she's sort of, like, this generation's Winona Ryder, right? Like, I think yeah. that's sort of what I'm getting from her and knowing that she's basically going to be in a Beetlejuice movie like that. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense, and I'm not really all that surprised. I guess the one thing that is surprising is that this is actually happening. Like, the movie yeah. is, is happening. I know they've been talking about it for... God, I don't even know how, like, it feels like years and years that this has been like, oh, Beetlejuice 2, it might happen. Right. Um, and so the fact that, like, I guess now she, if she's attached, then, like, it's legit. It's for real. It's They're going to move forward with it. I guess they figured out a, a story. I mean, I can't say I have the utmost confidence in Tim Burton right now. I love yeah. the guy, but I just, I mean, outside of, like, the stuff he directed in Wednesday, which was was not just him, outside of that, I mean, he he's really been uh, <laughs> he has not had a good uh, streak of films in a while which is depressing because that guy like dude 90s 80s early 2000s yeah. he was just constantly knocking it out of the park like even something like charlie and the chocolate factory which i know is divisive is something that i grew up with and was a big fan of um and so uh yeah i look it, it's 
I, I have my issues with the fact that they're doing a Beetlejuice sequel to begin with because I'm just sort of like, why, what, like, out of all of the Burton things that we have out there, you want to make a sequel to that? And it's just like, it just kind of goes back to the idea that there are no big, there are no original blockbusters anymore. Everything mm. is always a spinoff, a sequel, a prequel, or whatever of something pre-existing yeah. from, like, the 80s or whatever. And I guess it's because studios just don't want to take a chance anymore. And it's... It's starting to scare me because it's like we're not getting like new and original like things that can then go on and become the next Beetlejuice or the next Star Wars or whatever. You know, it's just we keep recycling the same things. And I just that, that's got to I have a feeling it's probably going to fizzle out at some point. But I mean, good yeah. for Jenna Ortega. I just, you know, that I don't really care about about it, to be honest. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you talk about the idea of new stuff. But it, it, yeah, they do recycle, but there's also new stuff. It just doesn't catch on. Yeah. 65 is getting eviscerated by That's the reviews and the reactions. Out. And there's a reason Sony didn't screen that thing until 9 a.m. yesterday on their lot. You had to go to their lot to watch it. Most people are working at yeah. 9 a.m., either at their jobs or at regular jobs. Uh, so, Shannon, what are your thoughts uh, when you hear about Jenna Ortega? Does this make sense? Does she have that Winona Ryder emo vibe from back in the 1980s? Or do you think this, like Griffin, like it's not, it's not a big deal. You don't care about it. Well, I mean, I think any chance to get Michael Keaton back in that makeup, I, I'm actually yeah. excited to see just because, um, you know, he the movie i like i enjoy beetlejuice like beetlejuice was was a movie of my childhood yeah. but i mean michael keaton you know is that movie um despite the fact that you know that all the relationships you know everything with lydia deets all of the deetses you know it was really really enjoyable but mike michael keaton is that movie yeah. um now on the surface when you look at jenna ortega's most recent work in wednesday her being the daughter of lydia deets completely makes sense yeah i think it's an interesting <laughs> choice for her because wednesday adams and Lyd lydia deets those characters are pretty similar. Good point. So yeah. I I'm wondering if there's some interesting twist to this, oh, yeah. at least to the character, at least that would get her to sign on. Yeah. Um, because again, it, it they seem very, very similar. Now, as to Griffin's point about um, a lack of original ideas, I mean, yeah, there are. I mean, it seems like even like the the things that you know Vogel and I get to work on. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's tough to get an original idea going. I mean, yeah. if you can have yeah. uh, uh, something tied to a pre existing IP, um, that definitely helps your case. But it's still yeah. not a it's still not a done deal. I mean, we've been yeah. working on a thing for a few years now that um, we really want to go, and it just hasn't quite gotten there yet it, yeah. it could like we'll see um yeah. but jenna ortega in beetlejuice 2 it, it's it's gonna be funny if if it was her signing on that is the thing that finally kicks this movie into high gear i mean yeah. for years yeah. they had talked about beetlejuice goes hawaiian um <laughs> but you know if you <laughs> dear god no, no. if you look at the end of of the beetlejuice film like you know beetlejuice is a bad guy <laughs> and yeah. he's he you know he he's got he's got a tiny little head um it, when you watch the animated series that's where beetlejuice and lydia have this have this relationship but i would imagine most of the movie going audience now is not aware of the yeah. beetlejuice animated series where they're buddies so if the movie actually happens we'll see because they've been talking about it for a long time but then you also think about all of these things that you know uh, uh, kind of franchises that end up getting these legacy sequels years later mm -hmm. how often does it turn out well i mean i wasn't a big fan of the matrix four um so it's, yeah, it's certainly no. possible that it could happen and turn out well but it seems like that the deck is kind of stacked against it that being said 
a chance to see Michael Keaton revisit that character, yeah. I would certainly welcome. And I think Jenna Ortega would be a great foil for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you bring up an interesting point. Could we have Jenna play the reverse of what she played in Wednesdays? This bright, cheery-eyed, optimistic, you know, want to be a really girly, you know, what you consider to be girly character as a um how can I this as a way of pushing back against her mom because Lydia would be the more brooding introspective you know introvert mm. type of character which is the reverse of what happened in the first movie so it would be like you know kind of like mother like daughter in that I don't want to be like you I'm different like she was different than Catherine O'Hara and Jeffrey Jones she would be different to Winona Ryder. So that could be a very interesting twist if she's this bright, cheery-eyed sorority girl and then gets involved with this whole thing with Beetlejuice. That could be fascinating. I hope you- we're not having Beetlejuice trying to marry her. Uh, that would be really weird and creepy. So maybe what if Beetlejuice has a kid Ooh. himself? That could Oof. be very interesting to play with that as well. Um, my question, though, comes down to, and I had brought this up on the hot mic yesterday, you can't bring back Jeffrey Jones. You, you can't bring back Alec Baldwin, I think, with all that rush shit hanging over him. And Gina Davis's possibility, but the ghosts don't age. So would yeah. you? how would you do that? Would you have to de-age her? And it could be Catherine O'Hara is still around, so she could be a part of this. It could be funny if it's all women against Beetlejuice, who, of course, you know, was one of the most misogynistic guys. So what if this is a thing where it's, you know, Catherine O'Hara, Lydia jenna ortega and even maybe gina davis all lining up against beetlejuice and what he's trying to do that could be a fascinating thing to explore as well yeah yeah my yeah. guess is that uh, you know obviously not alec baldwin yeah um, but 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 my guess is that uh that couple they would be gone that mm-hmm. uh that that Catherine O'Hara, absolutely. Like you, you yeah, want her, you want her and sort of that comedic trio. Yeah. But my guess is that we don't revisit that house. That's the that oh, majority of the movie is going to take place someplace else that, okay. and I could be 100% wrong, but that would be my guess. That would be smart, right? Like you don't, you don't want to be, be too gratuitous with the stuff that you're like bringing back. Like it, yeah. it's always oh, going to take place in the same house and everything. Like now you got to, you got to change things up a little bit. If you're going to be bringing back all of these characters and like having a similar, maybe like flipped dynamic that, that you had in that first film. Like I, I'd, I'd at least like to see them live in a different place or just, yeah. you know, or, or whatever, or just, just show that the characters have gone through some sort of growth since we last saw them and maybe that means moving on and whatever. So, um, yeah, but, and then that doesn't, that also doesn't take into account like all the, the off screen issues with some of these people. It's sort of like, Oh yeah. Yeah. We don't really need them anymore. So we could just write it out. But you, you do bring up an interesting point about having Jenna Ortega be more like a bubbly outgoing kind of character. Um, in contrast to, to Lydia, I, I would be, if they go that route, I, I could, I could see a way where this, where this works because then Lydia obviously has to go through the same thing. Like you said, like she has to go through the same thing that she went through with her mom and everything like that. So, which is really interesting, but I, part of me is like, but are they going to do that? Because I mean, I trust Jenna Ortega to do like, she has the ability to do something like to play a character like that. But the stuff that she's really known for right now and beloved for is the stuff that made, you know, Lydia so beloved in that first Beetlejuice. So I'm thinking like, she's probably going to be closer to her mom than anything Mm. because they want to play into like what people are really hyped about her right now, especially like, you know, if Burton 
if if Jenna Ortega was the missing piece that made Burton go, you know, I think I see a way to do this, then right. I have to imagine it was what she was doing on Wednesday and all of that stuff. So yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I would like to to believe that what you're saying, John, is like 100% the way they're going because that's that's kind of a, a smart way to approach this, yeah, to approach yeah. a sequel that people are just sort of like, what? But, um, uh, but I don't know. I just, I don't have faith. Yeah. I don't know either because like, look, Force Awakens essentially, you know, copied a lot of A New Hope and made all kinds of money. Top Gun Maverick came out and it's essentially a version of Top Gun that we'd already gotten that hit some of the same beats, although it did some things new and different. It kind of walked the same path. So will they be willing to make a, I mean, like if you turned her into this like young Republican MAGA young girl, I mean, that would be (laughs) so interesting. They would never have the guts to do it, but it would be interesting to explore that so we'll see what happens and she's just in talks it's not 100 percent done yet but you know keaton is on the upswing with dope sick and all these things that have happened around him yeah. Catherine o'hara with Shit's creek is on the upswing and everything that she's doing so and jenna ortega and winona Ryder even with stranger things so like clearly they're all still in the pop culture zeitgeist so now seems to be like the perfect time to put this thing in motion and take advantage of their you know their uh status right now so we shall mm-hmm. see uh, for sure. Um, we got another st- super chat that came through here uh, from Gallup Productions. Says, geez, they'll just let anybody on. <laughs> LOL. But for real, nice seeing Griffin on this panel. Someone you know here, Griffin? Uh, no, I have no idea. I just found it funny. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, well, I mean, you know, they just texted me. Like, hey. Oh, my God. Yeah. Keep it down, Gallia. Keep it down. But keep sending in the money. We like yeah. it. Lucas says, if you all want great General Ortega content, watch the fallout. It was before Scream X and Wednesday. And it's so underrated. I don't know the fallout. Do you guys know the fallout? I am unaware. I do. Okay. Yeah, I do remember that. That was the, I think it was on HBO Max. Oh. I, I didn't, I didn't watch it. I, I do remember like when it, like it was a big little thing for, for a moment. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm blanking. Oh, wait, no, no, no. It was a movie. It was a movie. It, was? it wasn't a show. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was it the one with the two heads like, uh, like facing you or whatever, lying down? I can't remember what the thought. I think was. Uh, I think it was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was th- I think that was right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Good suggestion, Lucas. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. We also got a stream live from my two fly cam. Says hello, people. I don't want to distract from the topics, but what would you three do if you were the new heads of Lucasfilm? Bring back Ray, dive into the future or past a Chewbacca family movie. Where would you take the future of theatrical Star Wars? Well, it's funny you. You asked that question, I am too fly cam. And look, I'm sorry to everybody about my voice. I had a rough night of sleep, so my voice is a little shaky. So I apologize to anybody. If it irritates anybody, I apologize. But yeah, Jeff yes, Jeff uh, Snyder also yesterday kind of uh, revealing that, according to his sources, the Damon Lind- Damon Lindelof film is going to be the next theatrical Star Wars film announced. He's saying that three weeks before we get Star Wars or four weeks before we get Star Wars Celebration, so and they just hmm. put out the badges uh, that they're going to be issuing out for Star Wars Celebration, and a lot of people pointing out that you have a Ray badge and you have a Finn badge. There's no Poe Dameron badge. It's ten years since The Force Awakens. There've been a lot of rumors that they might be bringing back both of them. Would they make an announcement at this Star Wars Celebration? So, gentlemen, what would you all do if you were the head of Lucasfilm right now? What would be the things you would try to head towards theatrically? Um, I would try to do something different than what we have currently seen on the big screen. I would try to get away from that, from that Skywalker trilogy and the way that the star Wars fans 
as far as I as I can tell, yeah. have reacted to the book set during the High Republic. Oh yeah, that seems like the way for me to go. Like, let's go far into the past. Let's 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 see some stuff that we haven't haven't seen yet. And granted, you know, I know we're going to get the acolyte that is that is set during that time period. Sure. But I would I would try to get as far away from this from what we have seen from this current incarnation as we can. And judging from the very enthusiastic reception that we, you know, we regularly get from Laura Kelly and Mike Vogel about the higher public books. Yeah, yeah. I think, it, I think that would probably be a smart place to dive into. Okay. What about you, Griffin? What would you do? Oh man. I, I honestly just, I, I do agree. I agree with Shannon. Anything that isn't along the lines of what we just saw with the Skywalker saga, yeah. I think is the, the right move, just more like independent films. Like, you know, let Ryan Johnson do his trilogy, like for the love of God, please let that man make, his own star Wars thing. It's just, uh, please. Um, but I, I mean, you know, with the, the Lindelof stuff, I'm incredibly excited about that just because I yeah. know the kind of creative he is and the kind of stories that he brings and, and like the talent that he surrounds himself by. Like, it's just, that seems like they're, you know, if they're going to focus on one project to, to maybe further develop, that seems like the winner here because yeah. uh, even though, you know, for as much as we like Taika Waititi, it, like his star Wars film, I, I just, I don't know what the hell that's going to be. Like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't really interest me to be honest with you. And like after Thor love and thunder, I'm just sort of like, maybe he just needs to go back to indie films for a little while because it just, I think he's kind of lost it a little bit in there or with, with blockbusters. Um, especially cause I, I didn't really care for Ragnarok either. So that's like another thing. So it's, it's been a long <laughs> oh series of movies where I'm like, Taika baby, oh. go back to the, go back to the indies. But um, yeah, I don't know, man, if I was Lucasfilm, I, I just I think I would just stop announcing projects until I knew they were happening. They, they're not Marvel. They don't need to be Marvel that like they're their own thing. They don't need to follow the MCU template. They don't need to come out with slates and phases. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll get announcements at Star Wars Celebration. But yeah. uh, I, I honestly think like the reason that Kathleen Kennedy, you know, pulling these projects or whatever is such a big deal it's because they were announced. It's just like yeah. if this had just been kept, you know, under wraps and they were sorting studio stuff out, then you know, we wouldn't really care. Um, so I guess that's 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 just my thing is just like just just stop making announcements until you have a script in place and you're just gonna go forward with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think I would I think I like the high republic idea as well, but I'll be but I'll be honest with you, uh I would absolutely bring back Ray and Finn and start a whole new trilogy with those two. I know people might go crazy about that situation, but and it would still work within Griffin wanting Ryan Johnson to come back. I mean, that's a possibility mm -hmm. as well. And I agree with you. I don't know what IG I'm sorry, I don't know what Taika Watiti is going to maybe an IG eleven prequel series oh, or an no. IG eleven or sorry, prequel movie or <laughs> you know, depending on if IG eleven survives this season of Mandalorian, will we get an IG eleven exploring the universe like Kung Fu or something like old school Kung Fu? I don't know. A lot of questions to be had. But yeah, I mean I, I think I would focus on that and then start to look at other stories that we can tell and uh, other filmmakers to bring in. Because I mean Rachel Morrison who had never done any Star Wars, oh. directed one hell of an episode of The Mandalorian this past yes. week. And so, you know, uh, clearly there are damn good directors who are out there who are not getting the opportunity to tell Star Wars in uh, large amounts. So I would hunt out really good young directors and start the process of having them. What appeals to you in the Star Wars? You know, what story have you always wanted to tell? 
let's open the doors to everything you know, and have some fun with it. And no clones, no more fucking clones. <laughs> um, all right, anyway. Um, all right, well, let's take a quick break and then we'll jump into some more news uh, going on in the world of Marvel uh, right after this. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. What is that? I don't know what is that. That's Beetlejuice. Oh, okay, very good. Oh yeah, that's what I was like trying to put my finger on. I was like, oh, that sounds familiar. All right, so let's jump into some Marvel news. Um, here, uh, Shannon and Griffin. Uh, it was announced earlier this week. John Bernthal is coming back to play the Punisher and daredevil born again but deborah ann wool is not going to come back as karen page and i can't remember the actor who plays foggy nelson eldon hansen eldon hansen is not coming back to play foggy nelson but we've also got from jeff yesterday some interesting marvel news dump where he according to him and the sources that he's got going on here sam raimi might be being eyed to come back to direct the next doctor strange film God help us all. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> and also, and uh, a Silver Surfer series looks like it might be in motion. And Marvel might have signed Matt Shackman to an overall deal to produce more than just the Fantastic Four there or be involved with more than just the Fantastic Four there. So um, since we went to Griffin first on the previous topic, let's go to Shannon first on this. Shannon, your thoughts on Bernthal, your thoughts on all this Marvel news jumping uh, yesterday. What are your opinions? I mean, as far as the confirmation that Bernthal's coming back, I think uh, I think that's a universally beloved decision. Yeah, just because okay. he was so great as Frank Castle in Daredevil season two. I mean, some of his, especially I forget the episode name, but when he had uh, when he had Daredevil kind of you know taken captive, um, the oh, dialogue yeah. between those two, the interplay between those two actors was so so good. And knowing that the extended order that this new series is going to have, um, the opportunity to get to revisit that in sort of a different way, I, I think that's really, really exciting. Mm. As to Foggy and Karen, I am not a big fan of Eldon Henson. I don't think he is yeah. the strongest mm. actor. So I'm, I remember when he got cast, I remember thinking that this is the first kind of like strike against yeah. the series because I don't think he's the strongest actor. Um Deborah Ann Wool, on the other hand, it's like, ah, I did, but I did like her Karen Page. So too, it's one of those interesting things that everything that, you know, took place in the Netflix series, 
that Marvel has sort of adopted the strategy of like, let's take what we want and leave what we don't. Um, I don't think we're going to get an announcement any day that Finn Jones is coming back as Danny Rand. I think that's, that's <laughs> no probably that's safely, yeah. safely over in the yeah. Netflix universe. Yeah. So mixed feelings, just because I think Bernthal will be, will be so great in the MCU. And I think they've been clamoring to kind of get him in because he'll just be looking at the universe as a whole. Like Bernthal is just such a good, he's such a good actor and he's so good in that role that having him on the table to use for future projects, I think is awesome. Yeah. Now, in terms of what was the second one, John? Well, Nothing Matt Shackman. Coming back, uh, Matt Shackman, who is doing Fantastic Four overall deal. And so, a Silver Surfer series for Disney Plus, possibly. Like a Silver Surfer series, I mean, as, as an idea, yeah, that sounds, that sounds super cool. I mean, yeah. we'll see what it possibly looks like. I mean, as much as I did enjoy parts of uh, She-Hulk, um, you know, the effects were um, uh, inconsistent. So knowing that the Silver Surfer may not be a 100% CGI creation, they might try to kind of marry marry a little bit of practical, a little bit of CGI enhancement. Um, I just I just want it to look good. But as a but as a as a concept, you know, if money's no object, like great, yeah, that's a that's a great great introduction to the world of uh, Norrin Rad. Now, the uh, Matt Shackman deal, I mean, whether or not, like, if, if they are signing him to some sort of elongated, elongated production deal, uh, you know, my guess is they are happy with what he, with the work that he has put forward on Fantastic mm-hmm. Four thus far. Now, granted, have they shot a frame of film? Not that we know of, you know, they haven't announced it. They haven't announced the cast. But I mean, I think part of going forward of like knowing can we work with this person is how they are in development. And if Feige and company are enjoying revisiting everything with Matt Shackman, it's just like, hey, let's see. This this is a hot young filmmaker. Um, You know, he was already in demand before, like with, with Star Trek. So maybe let's try let's try to let's try to lock him down. For a little bit, and there was what was the third thing you said, John? I'm so sorry, I keep. Oh, uh, the Sam Raimi thing. You're forgetting the about Sam Raimi thing. thing yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, come on, guys. You know, come on, come what, on. The, the the grace that I want to provide here oh, with man, this look news at you. is Sam Raimi <laughs> came into a situation where the train had already left the station. Yeah. So he probably was not as involved in the development of the movie prior, you know, uh, like, again, like the, the movie was, it was going yeah. and he kind of hopped on board and, and, and did the best he could with what he was given. Right. Does that mean Dr. Strange three, if he's sort of involved from the inception, does that mean it will turn out different? Like I was not a big fan of that movie. The first time I saw it, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's fine. That was fun. Um, upon subsequent viewings, my opinion uh, uh, changed. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, this is this is a, a, a little messy." Uh, but that being said, you know, Raimi has his has his very devoted fan base. It sounds like Griffin uh, might be in that camp. <laughs> oh yeah, man, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, when 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 we left uh multiverse of madness i remember thinking especially reading the interview that kevin feige had given that saying going forward he wants filmmakers like sam raimi 
who he doesn't have to kind of oversee everything. He trusts their vision. He trusts what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I'm like, you know, he's coming back for the third one. <laughs> like yeah. what we saw gets that's stay, that's Kevin Feige approved right there. Yeah. But maybe if he is involved with the with the movie from the beginning, maybe we get a stronger film. I mean, and again, a lot of people are pointing out um, Waldron's writing that that was the bigger issue. And again, we we chatted about this a couple of weeks ago that. The writer, it's very easy to point the finger at the writer, but yeah. nothing goes into production without the uh, the creative think tank of Feige and Victoria Alonso and all those folks. Nothing goes forward without them saying, okay. So to throw Waldron under the bus just for that, I'm like, eh, that's not exactly fair. Like this yeah. was a company yeah. made, this was a company made movie. Like these movies are kind of made by committee. Like you might have a filmmaker come in with a, with a very specific vision, the way that Ryan Coogler did, the way that James Gunn did. But at the end of the day, they're not making any decisions, any decisions that Marvel doesn't agree with. Yeah. So yeah, that, that we, would be my thought. And as yeah. we saw with Connor forever, sometimes they'll shove stuff in to make sure that they can, uh, you know, kind of keep the overall narratives going in multiple areas uh, for sure, much to sometimes the film's detriment. Uh, all right, Griffin, your yeah. thoughts here uh, on all this stuff with um, uh, with the Punisher coming back, but no Karen yeah. Page, so foggy, and all the other Marvel stuff with Silver Surfer, Shackman, and Sam Raimi. Thoughts? Yeah. Well, well let me start with Sam Raimi because we sure. were just on that topic. Uh, I'm a big fan of that, not only because I just I love his Spider-Man movies, and mm. I, I, you know, when you could tell Sam Raimi was you know, doing his thing and was allowed to do his thing in Multiverse of Madness. Big, big fan. I think that's what works. Actually, I it's so funny this news dropped because I literally watched the movie just on a whim last last night because I was like, you know, it's been a while. I need to give this film more of a chance. And I, I really came around on it. And a lot of the things that I struggled with, I felt like Raimi and Waldron managed to make it work for the story they were trying to tell because you have to, I mean, you have to think about it. Like they probably had so many mandates of stuff they had to put yeah. in this movie to set up other things. And that, and that was the biggest issue, um, you know, and that on top of just like the egregious God awful Illuminati sequence, um, oh. but even something like that, like you can see the narrative intent behind it, right? Like Sam Ray or, or sorry, like strange, is so he won't let anyone hold the knife. And so he creates uh, an institution that then backfires on him and then they, they fail. And it shows like his, his problems as a, as a leader or someone who isn't able to trust other people. Um, and then they're just like unceremoniously or not even unceremoniously. They are just like mean spiritedly yeah. massacre, massacred and like murdered. That, yeah. yeah. Murdered. Yeah. Like that's, that's where you see the Raimi kind of pop in there and you're just like, he took, what he had to put in there, they, you know, it's in there and it's not great. But then he kind of just like spun it around and was all and was all like, yeah, I think this sucks too. And so I'm going to kill him off in the worst way possible. And it's just like that, that little edge where it's like, you can see the battle within the film of, of Raimi and Waldron and like the larger MCU, you know, higher ups in the creative team. It's like, that's what's interesting to me on top of the fact that I think in that movie, it's all about Dr. Strange, you know, struggling like he's the hero but he doesn't really win at the end of the day and mm. like that's and you know we've seen that that clip of like the third eye in the post the mid-credit scene circling around twitter a lot lately and i think that was one of the worst things that they did and so yes. i think if they go into the 
a third Doctor Strange movie, they have to let him do his thing from the get-go. He has to be involved from the start. I mean, he can write it himself. He can pick his screenwriter, whatever. It seems yeah. like he kind of got along well with Michael Waldron, um, who, you know, I, I, I was pretty harsh on him, too, when I first saw that movie. I think I've, I, I see where they... they like him and Raimi kind of meet together uh, pretty well. So I, whether it's him, whether it's another writer or, or whoever, I, I just want to see a Doctor Strange movie orchestrated by Sam Raimi that doesn't have to tie into another MCU whatever. If, it need, if that needs to happen, let it happen in the post-credits or the mid-credits scene because Doctor Strange is Sam Raimi's favorite comic book character. This is a guy who's wanted to make a Doctor Strange movie his whole life, and he finally got to. And the fact that they want him to come back, I mean, you give that guy as much creative freedom as you can and just let him, you know, make magic. Because the flourishes in that movie, the style, the, the you know, the character stuff where you could tell that Raimi was going in on it, I was just like, dude, I'd pay to see like a, like a two-hour Sam Raimi uncut version of this because it just feels like he gets the character. So, um okay. Yeah, big fan of that. I really hope yeah. it happens. Yeah. Uh, John Bernthal coming back, huge, huge fan of that because I think that he has just defined the Punisher for this generation. Yeah. And I, dude, I, I don't know about you guys, but I really, really liked season two of The Punisher. Wow. I thought that cool. I did. I really did, man. Wow. Like it was. Dude, I um, love and respect this guy, but I can't. I couldn't disagree <laughs> more. So many big things. It's fascinating. Stuff, Go ahead, yeah, guess. yeah. The stuff with uh, uh, Shay Wiggum's daughter. I, I really. I, I don't know. Like it was kind of cool to see him have this person he had to protect and. Um, you know, seeing what they did with uh, Ben Barnes's character. I, I'm blanking on their names, but, you know, and that, and then the, yeah, the violence. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I just, I, I don't know, man. Like, I just, I, I, it felt like they were, you know, you know, getting into their stride in that second season. And then obviously it was cut short, but I, look, I, I think the thing with, with Punisher coming to Disney plus and all that stuff is mm. that like, that's the big concern, right? Are they going right. to water him down? Shave it down. Yeah. 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 Are, are you going to, yeah. Get rid of those harsh edges for the sake of him playing in the daredevil sandbox. And I don't know, because I guess it really depends on what they're doing with born again. Um, the only thing that does concern me is the fact that, so this was announced as a daredevil show and yes. now we're getting all of these characters just like jam packed in there. It's like, well, no, no, no. This this sounds like the Defenders Universe show, not the Daredevil show. And that's not to say that, you know, Daredevil and Punisher don't interact like regularly. I mean, they they do, but like for your first Daredevil thing, like you know, the She-Hulk bit notwithstanding, like your first Daredevil thing. Let Daredevil be Daredevil. That like people love this character and yeah, I mean, you could throw Fisk in there. That's fine. Have him be in there because that's obviously his big villain. But, like, make it make it as focused on Matt Murdock and his his grapple with, like, religion and all, like, his Catholicism and all that stuff. Because that's that's the interesting stuff. Not, not oh, is the Punisher going to pop in? Oh, is Elektra going to pop in and all this stuff? Like, that's that's cool if you can work it in narratively. But, like, for your first outing, nah, dude. I, I, I want to see, like, a straightforward... Uh, honestly, a pretty faithful adaptation of of Born Again, even though they've kind of taken some of those elements. But so yeah. it's a bit of a mixed bag. Like I'm excited that John Bernthal is back, and then we'll see what they do from there. Um, as for uh, yeah, Foggy and Karen um, not being in it, or I guess the actors who played them not being in it. Right, the actors who played them. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't like why. I guess it just. 
I, I think the frustrating thing is that they were so undervalued, like when the show was on. I mean, I, I everyone got you know everyone got behind Deborah Ann Wall. I think as the show was wrapping up, rightfully so because she was remarkable in that series. But I just think like the. Uh, you know, Charlie Cox, he does not work by, I mean, he's good by himself, but he, part of the charm of that was the three of them, was their dynamic, yeah. how they would kind of play off of one another, how they would help one another. Um, you know, Karen Page is as important a part of Daredevil as Matt and Foggy, you know, especially in that original run. So t- to see the you know the title guy coming back but not the people that helped make the title guy as great as he is it's just like i don't i don't know what they're thinking there i mean there is something to be said about recasting like that that's fine um and i get it right like charlie cox is playing matt murdoch he's playing daredevil like obviously they're going to bring him back if they can same with bernthal and uh and fisk but when you start selecting stuff like this and you and you miss out on the the people that made those characters special and those shows special i think it just it's a bit of oversight uh on the the part of the the you know the producers or whoever yeah. the studio you know whoever's making these decisions so i that bums me out but i if they can get another you know quality actress or actor in there to play the parts then I, you know that's that's fine but i, I it does kind of put a bad taste in my mouth a, a okay. little bit. So um, as for the Matt Shackman stuff, big fan of his did not like what he did with the finale of WandaVision kind of certainly ruined yeah. the whole Finally, show we agree me. on something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So um, that, I'm, I'm like him, him doing fantastic Four. I, I, like I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I'm also a bit worried just because of that finale. Um, him doing a silver surfer, uh, series right like he was you say he was the one that was attached to that yeah yeah, yeah possibly yeah makes sense right he's doing fantastic four they're gonna want right. the guy who's doing fantastic four to do silver surfer uh so i i think they can green light a silver surfer series but they would be smart to see how his fantastic four project is received before they fully commit to that um yeah. take on silver surfer i just um i, I mean like I can kind of get behind the Silver Surfer series, but I just do like a solo film and then that's it. Like you don't need to like, not every character needs to have like a mini series or whatever. I think some, someone like Norrin Rad, um, who's just like the very nature of him lends itself to just big screen entertainment. I would want to see a blockbuster, like, you know, big Marvel movie centered around Silver Surfer, Katayan Galactus, maybe the Fantastic Four make a little appearance in there, but um, and then it's just a one and done. You don't need you don't need to do anything else with it. So yeah. um, excited about Silver Surfer, Matt Shackman. Uh, it's a bit it's a bit uh, up in the air for me. It kind of just okay. depends on Fantastic Four. Fair enough. Well, I'll get my thoughts out quick. Uh, uh, Ramy, oh God, I don't want him to come back. And everyone everyone can say anything they want about the script or whatever. Uh, I don't care. He's the director, just like that dude's the quarterback. He runs the offense. He runs the film. And so he's the person that gets all the – no one's going to go – if the film was great, no one was going to be, you know, that writer was amazing. Uh, you know, no, bullshit. They would have been, <laughs> Ravy did it again. And so if you're going to take the credit, you got to take the hit. And to me, uh, I don't care where he came along in the process, it was a Sam Raimi film. And for me, I've been kind of slowly – It's uh, people don't want to admit that Raimi does not 100% make great films. I mean, Quick and the Dead – is a fun film. It's not a great film. 
Uh, Spider-Man 2, that's a whole other ballgame. But even that has elements that are a little dated. And, of course, the less said about Spider-Man 3, the better. And don't forget, he produced 65, which is out now getting eviscerated by critics. So <laughs> there is, there are, I have mad concerns of him coming back. Uh, Robert Cargill was on, see Robert Cargill, who's a writer on the first Doctor Strange, was on Double Toasted. Great, uh, great show those guys do. And he said him and Derrickson had a completely different idea for Doctor Strange. I like Scott Derrickson's Doctor Strange. Give me more of that. But I guess uh, Feige's the man, and if he likes Raimi, he's going to bring Raimi back. But And the film made almost a billion dollars when we were still dealing with a little bit of the after effects of COVID. So you can't argue the fact that they made money with that movie. So there it is. Shackman, I love WandaVision, but yes, that finale let me down. So we'll see what he does with this overall deal and what that means. Where's Peyton Reed's overall deal? I know people didn't like <laughs> Ant-Man 3, Dude. but I like Peyton Reed, and I liked, yeah. the, I liked all the Ant-Man movies, so... So I would like to see him get an overall deal. But yeah, Shackman's great. Silver Surfer makes sense because if you're going to look at Galactus, which is where I think they're going eventually, you've got to lay a little bit of the seeds of Galactus. So in a series on Silver Surfer, you lay the seeds of Galactus. Right, Who's going to come after Kang, I'm sure. Um, what else were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the Burnthal. I, I tweeted yeah. this. The first season of The Punisher is the best season of any Marvel Netflix show Bar none. There are no filler episodes like there are every season on Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage. They all have filler episodes. There are none of those in season one. And I know Mike Kalinowski disagrees with me and did so on Twitter. But for me, season one of Punisher was beautiful. The way they dealt with PTSD, the way they dealt with the army stuff, the way they dealt with uh, the the um, changing allegiances there of the FBI agent, and then also the stuff with uh, Jigsaw, Benjamin, who was fantastic. I don't know if people love him in Shadow and Bone, but he was great in the Dare, in the Punisher series. So have him come back. And you're right, Griffin and Shannon, the chemistry with Charlie Cox and Burnthal is so great. Yeah. Those guys have two different approaches to manhood, and the way they play off each other is so much fun. So I think it was so smart to bring him back. Echo is supposedly going to be in Born Again as well. So that's going to be thing. Yeah, yeah. what you were saying here, Griffin. Yeah, a lot of people are going to show up Born Again. To be fair, it's an 18 episode series, so you yeah. have you got to fill the real estate real estate with people. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, what is what was the one I forgot? What's the other one that we talked? Silver about? Surfer. So, I already yeah. talked about that. Shaq and uh, the, the Raimi and Burnt. Okay, I guess that's all the Marvel yeah. stuff. Let uh, me l- let me ask you guys this real quick because yeah. uh, I'm I'm actually curious if all these characters, all these New York street level characters, are going to appear in Daredevil. Do you yeah. do you think we get Spider Man? That's the big question, right? Ooh. I think in a perfect world you would. Yeah. But because of the complexity of that deal, I would yeah. think that 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 probably throws up some creative roadblocks. That would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a lot of people are rumor are speculating that we'll get Luke Cage and Jessica Jones back. Yeah. And so like you were saying, it might be a bit of a, a defender's soft reboot. Uh so we would see. But I I can't imagine we would get Spider Man back because Tom is exclusively features, yeah. and there's already rumors that he might make an appearance in Spider-Verse across the Spider-Verse. Um, so I think it would be stretching it even more to put him in something like Born Again. But it all depends on if they can get him and work out something with the deal. You know, Yeah, I guess. Every appearance yeah. has to be part of the contract. 
Right, right. Yeah, I guess it depends on because I don't I don't know the the minutia of the the mm-hmm. contract or anything like that. But I would assume if it's if it's strictly just like appearances, yeah, yeah, maybe they did work out something where it's like he can appear in like a couple of episodes of a of a TV show or something yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. I just want to see like I know we got the little bit in No Way Home, but I just want to see like Spider Man and Daredevil, you know, have some sort of interaction. Maybe yeah. not in Born Again because again, I want that to be very Daredevil focused, but yeah. like, you know in a feature like Avengers movie or something like that. Yeah. Right. Got to see that. Uh, by the way, shout out to Chris Corker and delivering the best line from Punisher season one. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. That's uh, such great stuff there. Let's hit some of these super tests before we go to another break here. Uh, Galliot saying, bro, it's me, non-Kino. I don't know if that's a thing for you there, uh, Griffin. So. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy I've interacted with on, on okay. Twitter before. I, I didn't. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> Fair enough. There you go, Galliot. Julian Ramos says, have you guys watched History of the World too? I have not watched any of the episodes this no. week. Have you guys? I started it last night. We got through we got through the first two. Wow. Um, and there are well, they're only half an hour. Like oh, it's it's a it's oh. a it's a four-night event where it will ultimately kind of be a be a two-hour movie. Like um what? some of them, some of them are very funny. Okay. Some of them whew, Wow. way off the mark uh okay. but it's it's worth it like if you like if you like the original movie it's worth taking a look at there's enough funny stuff that you're not going to feel cheated by the end fair enough uh amrex says film speak on geek buddies you guys are doing the lord's work moving forward do you think marvel <laughs> should have the single character storyline on disney plus and do more team-up films on the big screen love geek but love the geek buddies uh Gentlemen, yeah, we were talking about that with the Silver Server situation. Do you guys think Ooh. that's what they should do and then just only do team-up movies? Uh, no, no. No. I, yeah. Yeah. No, and I think just the nature of what they are trying to do. I don't yeah. think I don't think it'll ever be a this goes here, this goes here. Um and going forward like who knows if they're going to keep the format that they've kept that right, the right. half-hour yeah. shows or uh, are, are nine or 10 episodes. The hour shows are, you know, six episodes. I think mm-hmm. that format is, I mean, Daredevil has already proven that that's not something that they have to do. And I think yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the shows in phase four have been like, ah, like if you just had one more episode, yeah. maybe you could have done this. So right. no, I don't think, I don't think it'll ever be that exclusive. Okay. Yeah. 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 I would, I would hope not either. I mean, look, like I, I understand that they, kind of brought a tv model to the theatrical marketplace and like it served them well so far but like right. that doesn't mean that they need to like okay now that we've done that we're gonna go strictly do tv and we're gonna use you know that like no i i think actually their biggest thing their biggest problem is that they aren't treating uh their their theatrical releases like like movies they feel mm. like parts of a television show which i get is like part of the appeal to this but it's like i want to go back to when these things felt like films when yeah. you could you could feel like the vision of of a single voice behind it telling a story about a character that they were really passionate about. You get that with Ryan Coogler. You get that with James Gunn. You get that with Shane Black and Sam Raimi to an extent. And you want to know the the thing that they all have in common? They're all directors. They work in film. The rest of the filmmakers, while I still do like some of the movies, like you know the Russos work and. Uh, you know, everything else. It's like, they are all, they all came, a lot of them came from TV. And you can tell when yeah. you're watching the movies that they work like a television director. And so I think we need to, 
you know, television has its merits as well, right? But like television is television is and film is film, and we need to treat the two mediums appropriately. So uh that's like just I know it's not entirely what they were asking, but like I just want Marvel to make like good movies again. Yeah. Like just yeah. just like movie movies again. I mean, but also to be fair, dude, the Russo brothers came out of TV and created two epic Infinity War and Endgame yeah. films. But yeah. yeah, but I hear you. Like it's yeah. It's not like always the TV directors come up and make great films. So, yeah, that's yeah, a fair point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's see. We don't have any more Streamlabs Super Chats. All right. Well, right now we've got 180 of you all watching us right now live. Thank you so much for joining us live here tonight. Please make sure you hit a like on this video. Subscribe to the channel down below. Hit that bell button and send in your Streamlabs Super Chats. It's pinned in the chat as we go along here. We're going to take a quick break. And afterwards, we're going to jump into some trailers. And remember, later on, we're going to get into our Oscars predictions for this weekend's show. We'll be right back right after this. That was yes. poorly done, but that was nope. the score to the original Ninja Turtle movie, not oh, <laughs> not, not from the animated series. <laughs> um, all right, Shannon McGlung, take it away. We got some trailers. We got some trailers, trailers, trailers. <laughs> We're going to start off with something that was released earlier this week. We get our first look at the Seth Rogen produced CGI Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. So this is coming from the directors of the Mitchells versus the Machines. This is a Sony Animation Pictures release. And I got to tell you, the the aesthetic behind this movie, it's like, they, they looked at Spider-Verse, they looked at Mitchell's, Mitchell's versus the Machines, and they're like, you know what, yeah. let's, let's go one level higher. I love the look of this movie. I got more to say, but I'll throw it over to you all first. What, if you, what did you all think of our first look at emphasis on the teenage mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem? I mean, if you're going to do something different, this works. I like the animation, which is, of course, computer animated, but to made to feel like it's draw and drawn which I like, had a little bit of the Spider-Verse vibe to it as well. Like the voices, the young voices. I like the new approach to April. I dig that. I think she's more reflective of the geek culture that we see now than the Aprils that have been before. And there have been many different versions of April. So I'm a fan of it. I like the vibe. It's young. It's interesting. It's fun. It makes me want to watch this. If you're going to bring it back, I don't want to see the same shit over and over again. And I sure as fuck don't want the Michael Bay movies. So this is a nice way, as much as I love Michael Bay, those ones are horrible. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm I a fan of this. I enjoyed it, and I like the vibe and the feeling and the jokes throughout. And it seems like they're becoming the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, not necessarily an origin story, but maybe like TMT year one type thing, which I kind of liked. Uh, what'd you think, Griffin? Yeah, it was a bit. I really liked this trailer, surprisingly, because yeah. I just, I, I don't really care about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles all that much. I didn't really like grow up with it or was like super passionate about it. But like watching this trailer, I was like, yeah, this is a version of these of these characters that I can get behind. It's mm. you know, it looks fun and it's I believe it is like the same director from Mitchell's versus the machines. No. Oh yeah. Okay. So like that, I mean I adore that movie. So like if if he's the creative voice behind it, then I'm like, yeah, I, I'm 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 all in. And um and yeah, I mean, the, I just think as a as a trailer, yeah, the animation style. I, I love how Spider Verse has just completely changed the game here, and just it's it's great because it's like people are are you know finally realizing at least in this little era, just like all the the possibilities that you know animation can afford you and all that stuff. And I just you, like this is a movie that like they can they could do 
cool, crazy things, and it looks like they're going to do that. But also, I I really like that the turtles feel like teens. They feel like yeah. high schoolers, which is something that's been lost for for a while. Whether or not it's just because of the way that they're designed or the the people voicing them, but um, but this it's just like nah, these are just kids who happen to grow up and be ninja turtles and they're trying to navigate you know life or this this you know this time in their lives and i, I think that's that's going to be fun and and yeah i i loved seeing um you know just all of them interact in the april stuff and like yeah i'm i'm all in i'm all in which is something i didn't think i was i was going to say uh before i watched the trailer and then i watched it and i'm like cool i dig it <laughs> well, I mean, and this has this has a really, really stacked comedic yeah. cast. I mean, one yeah. we have uh, Io Edaberry from The Bear, who is just a phenomenal, phenomenal performer. We've got Seth Rogen and John Cena yeah. as Rocksteady yeah. and Bebop. Jackie Chan as Master Splinter. Giancarlo Esposito as Baxter Stockman. I mean, this is just a huge, huge cast. And a lot of times, I mean, I think you're, I think you're right, Griffin. Um, when we hear teenage 13 years old is a teenager and it sure yeah. sounds like donatello is in this version it sounds like donatello is probably the youngest yeah. and i think i think it works really really well that they're going with this cast this cast of youngsters this cast yeah. who are who are learning how to be heroes and just because they've taken i just love the production design behind this behind this movie thus far and you know seth rogan uh, you know, that that as they said in the trailer from the what the eternal teenager, yeah. Seth Rogen, I mean, yeah. he seems like a, a perfect fit for this. And because it is a, a property that is aimed slightly younger than his normal audience, you know, he's going to have to clean it up for this. So we're going to find yeah. out how it turns out when it comes out. Uh, what next are this August? So in just a few yeah. months. Yeah. So for all yeah. you critics watching it, make sure you're kind to Seth Rogen because he doesn't like negative criticism. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. What's our next trailer? <laughs> our next trailer is coming to uh, Apple Plus TV and it is Ghosted. So this is from director Dexter Fletcher who yeah. is slowly becoming one of my one of my favorite directors working. I mean, wow. he's one of the... One of the creative forces behind the offer on Paramount Plus, which, you know, I was just right. such a huge fan of. He did Rocket Man. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, but the show or the, the film just looks like a throwback to those kind of uh, 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 romantic adventure comedies from from the 80s. This one is starring Chris Evans and Ana de Armas, who is rep who replaced Scarlett Johansson for uh uh, due to scheduling conflicts, yeah. but this is just you know a, a guy falls head over heels for an for an enigmatic girl. She disappears, and he assumes that he has been ghosted, like the title says. He decides to do the completely normal thing and fly internationally to go see her, and he ends up in the middle of a spy adventure. So, gentlemen, what did you think of our first look at Ghosted? Griffin, go ahead. Yeah, um, well, it's a spy film, so that's, like, right up my alley, because I, you know, I'm just a massive fan of that genre. Uh, I gotta be honest, when I saw the poster, I was very nervous. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, no, this looks terrible. Um, but then I actually watched the trailer, and I was like, okay, this is this is a kind of movie we don't see anymore. This is charming. It's a mid-budget action movie with two 
very attractive leads like yes please give me more of this like this is and it's like fun it's funny it's like a nice play on words with the the ghosted theme it's like oh you see like oh did you just get ghosted no my the girl that i'm interested in just is a you know international super assassin spy lady you know it's just it's a really really fun premise um and i think the the big thing for me is like why give this a theatrical release man like i could see this doing actually like decently well at the box office just given the nature of that trailer given uh you know chris evans and ana de armas like they both have big followings people love them um i don't know it it was a lot more uh it was i was charmed by the trailer which is something that i i didn't expect uh so yeah going back to a yeah the kind of movies that they just don't make anymore like i just love that i love that yeah, I liked it. I don't know if I bought Anna de Armas, though. I got to be honest mm. with you. I was just like, uh, like seeing her run and you're like, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to run away from anything. Like You're, you're not a runner. And it used, there are certain moments where I'm like, OK, I guess we'll have to suspend our disbelief and accept the situation. But everything when they're interacting, they have really nice chemistry. So yeah. that may be the saving grace of the movie. Plus a nice twist that a good looking dude like this uh, could get ghosted. And because and it's he's he's almost like veering into the stalker territory to be oh, honest yeah. with you, showing up. But then the fact that it's turned around, it reminds me of that film with um, uh, Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon, the spy who dumped me, and how it's like <laughs> oh, she's wow, like yeah. had no idea that Justin Theroux was a spy and all this kind of stuff. Um, and even Spy, where I don't want to, I guess I shouldn't ruin it for you, seen, but <laughs> certain somebody you don't expect is actually a double agent. So. There are certain elements to this, but yeah, you're right. It feels like uh, uh, romancing the stone from the eighties. It's got that vibe and people have been complaining how we don't really have these romantic comedies anymore, mostly because people have seen through romantic comedies and don't want that stuff to come back. But this kind of stuff could be very interesting and a fun play on things as well. And uh, uh, Rhett Reese is one of the writers on this and uh, he worked on uh, Deadpool three Zombieland double tap, the original Zombieland as well. Deadpool and uh, uh, Monsters Inc. So uh, some interesting, as, as well as uh, Paul Wernick. So they all worked together. So you know it's going to be it's going to have hopefully jokes. So we'll see. But that shot of him scrolling through all the text messages that haven't been responded to, every guy knows that feeling, and oh, it's yeah. not a cool yeah. feeling. And so the fact that you take that as an impetus to fly to another country, that's like. Ooh. But yeah. I like that there's a twist there. So. Yeah, There's I a, think they have great chemistry. I mean, the two of them reuniting after Knives Out, it's like, all right, this oh, this right. this could yeah. be this could be a yeah. fun time. Personally, whenever I see Captain America playing low status, it's like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> nobody messed up her face for monster, for God's sake. Come no, on, no, please. nobody buys this. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'm sorry, what were you gonna say, Griffin? Oh, oh no, no, I was just gonna say someone someone mentioned in the comments uh romancing the stone, which I was trying to think for the life of me. Yeah, this is I do get a little bit of uh romancing the stone yeah, vibes yeah. from this, which like again, love that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, she was great in Bond in No Time to Die. In the, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she can kick ass. I'm not sure she can't kick ass, but seeing her run, she was really slow. So I don't know. All right. Anyway, what's our next <laughs> well, here? Ghosted comes out April 21st on Apple Apple TV, yeah. not in theaters. To Griffin's chagrin. And our last trailer here is called No Hard Feelings. This is Jennifer Lawrence's uh, uh, dirty comedy, <laughs> which they've released. They've released two versions of the trailer. There is a red band. That red band trailer is. Super super 
super funny, but this is kind of coming from director Gene Stupnitsky, who is from uh, The Office, where I thought he did some terrific work. He also directed, uh, I believe it was called Good Boys, which yeah. for me, not so much. But I'll oh. throw it over to you guys. Oh. <laughs> what did you think of our first look at No Hard Feelings? I loved it. Uh, this is uh, you. I feel like this is happening in the same universe as Causeway, just in a different part of town. Because it's low status, right? She loves, I mean, Je- from Winter's Bone on, Jennifer Lawrence plays these low status characters in incredible ways. Even the the girl in the woman in American Hustle, she's essentially a grifter. So, like, she's it's low status in terms of grifting her life, you know? So, she does excellent when she does these kinds of roles. And I loved her in Causeway. I thought she should have been nominated. Brian and uh, Brian, Ty- uh, Brian Tyree as well. Henry, he was great in that. So seeing something completely different like this. And don't forget, Jennifer got ca- was caught up in that scandal where, where you know, her, her pictures of herself naked were put up on. And so, like, th- th- there's a lot of that. So coming back into a sexual comedy like this. She's yeah. taken on like uh, some, uh, you know, people might bring that stuff up or comment on it. So I appreciate the bravery of her like kind of walking into it. And I, I thought this was funny as shit. I think it walked the right lines. I think it messed with people's ideas of what we can do and what comedy we're allowed to do anymore. Yeah. And this feels like Project X. It feels like Good Boys. Like, Give me more of this that kind of comes close to crossing the lines or crossing the lines. But there is some funny. I mean, when she's crawling after she's been maced and she's like, why? And all of this. <laughs> and her yelling him to get in the fucking water already. You know, there's, and the kid is funny. So the kid doing the stuff that he's doing to kind of go back and forth. It has like that American pie vibe to it as well. And so mm-hmm. there's enough here for me that if this is, I, that I'm going to go see it. And I hope I, I laugh my ass off because we don't get a lot of comedies in theaters anymore. So it would be fun to have this one kind of be a sleeper hit. Uh, what do yeah. you think, Chris? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, man. I, I love this. Again, just another kind of movie that we don't see anymore. And yeah, it's just like, yeah. and especially like the the nature of it, like a sex comedy. And it's like a rom-com sex comedy. So it's just yeah. like taking all the boxes of stuff that like I feel has been missing for so long. It just like cinema has been so sanitized and it's just been like, come on, man. Like, let's just let's be real. Let's like actually like there's a reason those comedy like some comedies or at least the good ones from you know the aughts or the 90s or whatever like still hold up it's because they're speaking truths and it's like yeah there's there might be a few things in there that are a bit dated but you take the core ethos of those and you update it for a modern audience and it's just like yeah like more of this stuff plus i think it's like based on like i i can't remember if it was like an internet trend or whatever of like parents that were trying to do this with one of their yeah, helicopter their kids yes. yeah, oh yeah, yeah 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 helicopter yeah, yeah yeah so it's just like that's a really funny thing to riff on so it's it's not even like they're pulling this out of obscurity like no 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 this was a thing that was happening that is weird so it's just like yeah let's like that's you know prime real estate to just like riff on and and have like this this great comedy um and it looks like they're both like both characters, both uh, Jennifer Lawrence and the other guy. They, they're both going to have a little bit of a coming of yeah, age yeah. thing going on there. So just like I am, I'm all for it. I think it looks endearing. It looks hilarious. Uh, it looks like it's going to have like no filter. It's going to be on a bash it, yeah. and it just yes, all about this. Plus, uh, the Matthew Broderick casting. I, did, dude, <laughs> oh I didn't God. recognize him Same, until yeah. the third scene. And yeah, I, what? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so so good, so good. Uh, yeah, I was I I ate this trailer up. It was great. It was great. I mean, like Roka said, I do. It seems like there's probably an American Pie sort of goofy sweetness, yeah, yeah. despite the fact that this is going to be this is a dirty comedy. Uh, um, and, yeah. and you know, Jennifer Lawrence, you know, she she you know she took some time away. You know, she came back for Don't Look Up, but she took some time away after she had maybe been a little overexposed in terms of you know. Yeah the output of her films and coming back with something like this, with something funny, with something light seems like a really, really good decision. Now, again, I was not a big fan of, of good boys. Like I could, I actually couldn't get through the movie, wow. but yeah. And it's not normal that I'm kind of like, I got to turn it off. I got to turn it off. I mean, uh, again, so you know, I can better was it the comedy. I think it was the performances. I just oh. couldn't get behind those kids. Uh, wow. Like, I think directing kids is tough, and I, I just don't think that he, he, he just didn't, didn't, didn't knock it out of the park for me. Okay. Um, but this, I mean, you, this, you could tell this kid is a, a little older. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's playing, he's playing under eighteen. That he is, my guess is he is not that. Right. Um, but the moment that he accidentally throat punches her, in oh that take that you. <laughs> Oh my god. That <laughs> cracked me up so so much. Um, so uh, like I am actually I'm actually really really looking forward to this and the fact that they are releasing it uh June 23rd, you know, in the in the heat of summer yeah. says that you know they think they've got something special in their hands too. Yeah. yeah. In so theaters too, right? Oh yeah. 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 Theaters, so yeah, that's yeah. I mean that's confidence. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, let's see if we got any more Streamlabs or Super Chats. Uh, no, nothing's come through. Come on, gang. We got a, a two, almost 200 of y'all watching us right now. Send in your love. Send in your Streamlabs and Super Chats. We're about to take a, uh, a break here and then jump into our main topic, get into our final Oscars predictions. There will be bloodshed, bruises, ripped clothes by the time it's over. So send in some love so we can replace our shirts uh, and get ourselves healed at Carbon Health. So we're going to take a quick... I think that's it, right, Shannon? Any more to add, or are we good? Yeah, that's okay. it. We'll take a quick break, and we'll jump into our Oscar predictions uh, right after this. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 um all right let's talk about this the oscars are happening on sunday night i will be doing a live watch long god help me of the ceremony so that we can all commiserate cry rage at the moon or howl at the moon rather than rage at the sky about the results but mostly i just want to experience it real time with other people i think i'm going to do it on my channel if not i'll do it on twitch but i'll make an announcement on sunday about it but we got a lot uh, to break. We're going to break down just the main categories, really, just here uh, as we uh, uh, go into the last segment of the show. If you want to send in your Streamlabs Super Chats, let us know who you think is going to win the bigger categories so we can read it on the air. We will do so here over the next few minutes. So um, I think we should just start with Best Picture. Let's start with the big old granddaddy here of the Oscar nominations. A lot of controversy, of course, has been around the Oscars here this year with Michelle Yao and Kate Blanchett, the Viola Davis uh andrea reesborough daniel deadweiler stuff now a lot of people are questioning whether jamie the curtis could put an upset in uh best supporting actress and even best actor now has become a bit of a toss-up when it seemed like brendan frazier was on his way to grab this thing now there's uh talk about austin butler sliding in and stealing it for both him and colin farrell so uh, some interesting stuff there as well and 
what are we going to get overall about uh, the Fablemans? Are they, is, is Steven Spielberg going to shock the world and take that best director thing? Will Fablemans default to being best picture? There's all kinds of matters. Oh, no. That's not happening. Before we commit it, though, I want to get you guys quick thoughts, and I mean quick thoughts. What are your feelings of overall about the Oscars here this year? And Do you think we're going to have a big turnout. I mean, SAG Awards had some really good numbers online. The HGA Awards, we broke a bunch of records for our presentation. So are people more interested because you think we'll have high number because we've got more films that are more mainstream that are nominated for these big categories? What do you guys think? What do you think about the Oscars overall as we're about to see them with this Sunday? Uh, to answer your question, no, because it is airing the same time as the Last of Us season finale. It's just crazy. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think they shot themselves in the foot on that one. I get that they always do it on, on Sundays and everything yeah. like that, but I, I, I'm not even joking. I think that's really going to hurt them. Okay. You know, at, at the same time, how many people watching The Last of Us are, are going to tune in for the Oscars? Yeah. I, I don't know how much crossover there is there. I mean, obviously with us hardcore, just like film, television, entertainment fans, but uh yeah uh aside from that i'm just ready for the award season to be over as i i usually am when i get to this point i'm just like <laughs> we've talked about these movies at nauseum whatever's True. gonna win is gonna win and i'm just gonna move on with my life you know fair enough uh shannon what are your thoughts overall before we jump into these predictions i mean award shows in general i can take or leave like wow. it's not the thing that i base my weekend around i think sometimes when there's some really really exciting nominees um they can be fun but in general like as much as i did like a lot of the best picture nominees it's it's none that i'm totally jazzed about okay so uh yeah i mean do i think more people are gonna watch i think in in the wake of the of the slap I think you might get a few more eyeballs mm-hmm. who are like, hey, is something is something else crazy going to happen? Right. Which I highly doubt it will. I imagine this will be a very straight, you know, right down the middle type of show. I do I do like Jimmy Kimmel. I think Jimmy Kimmel is funny. And I think there will be no shortage of uh, Will Smith jokes. Um, yeah, that's the, see that right there. Uh, I just I don't even want to see that. Like, yeah, I get yeah, I get yeah. that, like, it's it's right material. And I, but like even just like a fake staged slap, I'm just like, no, please just move on. Like, I uh, just yeah. not, not, you know, well, Matt Damon uh, slapped Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, I, uh, yes. I think, yes, <laughs> I think if it doesn't happen during the broadcast, it's going to happen on uh, on like his uh, late night, <laughs> his yeah. late night show. <laughs> I'm actually surprised it hasn't happened yet. Now, bravo. Good call, Joseph yeah. Ashley. Well, remember, Jimmy got in trouble at the Emmys with what happened with Quinta Brunson. Remember when he just kind of laid there on the stage Ooh, and then he had to so bad. eat some crow on his own show later on. So uh, the next night, I think, or two nights later. So, yeah, hopefully Jimmy doesn't do anything <sighs> stupid like that uh, during the ceremony because that horrible was horrible decision. Dumb, horrible. Yeah. And, and good on Quinta Brunson for... Um, handling yeah. it with grace yeah well, seriously sadly unfortunately black women have to always uh, have to always handle the stupid white guys doing dumb shit with grace so unfortunately let's stop let's have men stop doing dumb shit so women don't have to always handle it with grace let's have that yeah as a novelty um all right anyway let's jump into it let's go into best picture here right off though no actually do we want to hold off on best picture what do you guys think should we do that let's 
let's hold off on best picture. Uh, do you want, do you want to start with like the best supporting uh, categories like they do in the broadcast? Well, yeah. How do you feel about cinematography? Do you guys want to chime in on that one or screen, should we do screenplays? Should we do screenplays? Cinematography is interesting. Okay. Um, well, here because, we go. Yeah, yeah, I go. mean, do you, if you want to start on that one, yeah, let's do it. Fuck it. Okay. Best cinematography here. All quiet on the Western front. Bardo, which I loved Elvis empire of light, Roger Deakins and tar. So, gentlemen thoughts uh mm. oh, you know what we'll go griffin then shannon then reverse and that's how we so we make it quicker griffin your thoughts who do you think is going to invest in a talk yeah um well i i think given all of the all quiet on the western front love that seemed like a front runner here mm. but then elvis took home the uh the guild award for that yeah. So I'm actually going to lean more towards Elvis for cinematography for this okay. film, um, which I, I love because uh, I think it was a beautiful looking movie. And then it was also uh, I believe it's it, like that was the first cinematography win for a woman. Mm. And I don't know if a woman cinematographer has won or no, wait, no, for uh, Mudbounds. Uh, Rachel Morris. Didn't she shoot that? Mudbound. Yeah, I think she did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah oh, okay, but outside of Rachel Morrison winning, I don't, I don't think a, another woman has won Best Cinematography. So that would be really cool to see on on Oscar night. On top mm-hmm. of just the fact that I think, given the fact it won the Guild Award, it's gonna, it has the most momentum right now. So I can see, I can see that taking it. Okay, uh, Shannon, what do you got? Who do you think? Yeah, I, I think there has been sort of uh, a late surge of interest in All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, yeah. but I, but I do think Elvis is the one that's going to walk away from it, walk away with it. And like, I was not necessarily a huge fan of that movie. Um, but you yeah. know, you can't deny, you know, the, the, the visuals, the yeah. visuals that they put up. I mean, Baz Luhrmann, his movies always look really, really nice. And in this case, you know, his cinematographer really, really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Uh, Mandy Walker, who is nominated for Elvis, is just the third woman to be nominated for Best Cinematography Oscar ever. Uh, but she did yeah. win, as you said here, Griffin, the, the prestigious uh, feature prize at the um, 37th Annual American Society of Cinematographers Award. So that may be yeah. – I'm still going to side with uh, All Quiet on the Western Front because I love that movie and the visuals in that movie. But I would not be, be surprised if Mandy slides in and takes it with Elvis because certainly Elvis out of nowhere – is starting to pick up steam uh, in ways that I don't think a lot of people anticipate. So, um, all right, let's move on to our next nomination. Let's do original screenplay here. My, uh, you know, you're a writer there, um, uh, Shannon, and and you write a lot of your uh, uh, essays there, Griffin. So, best yeah. original screenplay: The Banshees of Inisherin here from Martin McDonough, Everything Everywhere All at Once from Daniels, Fab- The Fablemans by Spielberg and Tony Kushner, Tar by Todd Field, and Triangle of Sadness by Ruben Ostland, which I have to convince myself to watch this weekend. So, hmm. um, yeah, it's on, I think, Hulu or something, Peacock or Prime Video. But, yeah. Uh, uh, Shannon, your thoughts here. Well, who do you think is going to win this for best original screenplay? Well, I'll say who I think will win and who I think should win. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, I do think Martin McDonough could take it with the, with the ban- Banshees of Inisherin, And I really, really like the Banshees of Inisherin. That is one of my favorite mm-hmm. films of the year. But I... I, w- I would want it to go to the Daniels for everything, everywhere, okay. all at once, just because it is so off the wall. And the fact that it was able to sort of, you know, penetrate that cultural zeitgeist and get into get in front of, of so many eyeballs. It was just so unique, yeah. so original. Um, yeah, that's I, I really wish the Daniels would win. But I do think Martin McDonough has a has a has a more than decent shot. 
Okay. Uh, what do you got there, Griffin? Oh, uh, yeah, it's tough. I really do think it's between Banshees and Everything Everywhere. Uh, I, I think I'm actually the reverse of, of you, Shannon. I think Everything Any, Everywhere wins, but I think Banshees is the screenplay that that should take it. Um, uh, I just, that, that writing, man. Oh, I just, I love Martin McDonough and and I think his screenplays are, are they're so layered with, with a bunch of different stuff. And like Banshees specifically, it's just such a quintessentially like Irish story, but it's also universal at the same yeah. time. Uh, and like the, the way that it's able to be like funny and, and like morose and yet just like cynical. And like, there's like all these different, in a weird way, Banshees and everything everywhere, like feel like they're kind of tapping into similar things at different angles. So I think that's really interesting that those are the two, two front runners here, but uh, I, I think just given the everything everywhere love and the the momentum at the moment, I, I would I think I have to go with that uh, as the winner and then Banshees as the one I'd like to see win. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Banshees because Mark McDonough is a fa- is a, um, a favorite of the Academy. He's won a number yeah. of times and at least been nominated a number of times. So they clearly have a Martin McDonough bent to them. So. I could see him coming in. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go with Banshees of Inisherin because I think some of these voters think they're going to give it to everything ever all at once for other categories. So they want to honor Martin, Martin McDonough and what he did with Banshees. Yeah, so I think point. that's where I think it, it could come in. Uh, so I, I take I take Banshees. Uh, best Adapted Screenplay, All Quiet on the Western Flunt, Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, Living, which is a remake of Ikiru from Akira Kurosawa there. But this one written by Kazuo Ishiguro. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, uh, screenplay by Aaron Kruger, Eric Warren Singers from Macquarie. Women Talking by Sarah Polly. And of course, Knives Out, Ryan Johnson, All Quiet on Western Front is Edward Berger, Leslie Patterson, and Ian Stokel. I'll go to you, Griffin, first on this one. Who do you think for adapted screenplay? Uh, well, God, I would love it if it was Ryan Johnson, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> I just, that, that screenplay is so brilliant. It is just mm. bursting with incredible writing and you you get why every actor wants to work with him uh he just yeah there's nothing like a a script written by ryan johnson that being said i think it's going to all quiet on the western front because again the momentum the fact that it's just like it seems to be getting all of these accolades and it's it's pretty much at the forefront of a lot of these oscar conversations i I really do think that because I don't be, well, I don't want to say because I don't want to give it away for later, but I do think that it's going to win this category because it's not going to win a few other ones. Okay. All right. Shannon, your thoughts? That would actually be my guess as well, is that this is the one that I don't think any of the other nominees have um, more heat right now for, yeah. for adaptive screenplay than All Quiet on the Western Front. As you mm-hmm. said, John, like the, the whole idea of Martin McDonough winning original screenplay because the Academy loves him. Um, I think they want to give All Quiet on the Western Front, give them some love because I don't think uh, when it comes to Best Picture, I don't think it's going to walk away with it. I mean, I think it'll, it'll obviously win Best best International Feature. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I do think it'll win Best Adapted Screenplay, even though, you know, who 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 could have thought that uh, uh, almost 30 years later when we get a Top Gun, Top Gun sequel, that it would actually be nominated. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> for, just for like, Academy Awards. Yeah, stunned by that. I'm yeah. just like, what? Yeah, somehow it snuck through. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to Best Supporting Actress. One of the most contentious, uh, uh, well, co- uh, competitive is what I'm trying to say, competitive uh, categories here with Angela Bassett, the first ever 
uh, Marvel uh, nominee for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Hung Chow for The Whale, which was a massive surprise that she got nominated. Carrie Condon, The Banshees of Inisherin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All At Once, and Stephanie Hsu for Everything Everywhere All At Once as well. Shannon, your thoughts? I mean, how Angela Bassett doesn't get this is is beyond me. Um, <laughs> even with the even with the wave of love for everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, really enjoying Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Hsu's performances. Um, this is to me, this is Angela Bassett's moment. I mean, the yeah. the uh, depth that she brought to this, the depth of pain that she had every time. I mean, she was just so she was just she was just wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, going forward in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, I think as, yeah, I, I, I don't know how Angela Bassett doesn't win for this. Okay. Uh, Griffin, what do you got? Uh, God, I, I, I would love if Carrie Condon won because she floored me in Banshees, yeah. but I, I, I gotta agree with Shannon. I think, um, uh, Angela Bassett has the momentum, even though, you know, there's been the, the recent everything everywhere wave. Plus it's just an Oscar that's like way overdue. And because of the fact that she gave a great performance, um, in this movie. And I, I feel like everyone has sort of been like, yeah, you know, we we messed up a few other times in the past. This is going to be yeah. the one that we're going to, you know, uh, uh, reward her for. Um, which is, you know, it's it's a great performance. Don't get me wrong. I think she's it's it's a deserving win. Mm-hmm. I just think there are stronger performances in that category, like Stephanie Hsu and uh, Carrie Condon. Those are the two really where I'm like, man, they especially Stephanie Hsu and well, yeah. But anyways, but I I um yeah, <laughs> I think Angela Bassett's winning. I I. Okay, so here's what I think is going to happen. I, I, I could, I, I, I think Angela Bassett will win, but I will not be surprised if Carrie Condon comes in and takes mm. it. I would not be surprised. There's been such an upswing. There've been articles about Carrie. She's been going on all these talk shows. So, and I think this whole blow up over the Andrea Reesboro, uh, Viola Davis, Daniel Deadwiler thing. I think there are members of the Academy who might be like, fuck you. I'm not going to vote for a black person now because you guys made such a big stink. And you tried to stain our organization. I'm going to vote for Carrie Condon or I'm going to vote for someone or Jamie Lee Curtis. Wow. So don't be surprised. As I say all the time, Hollywood ain't as liberal as you fucking think. It really <laughs> isn't. So uh, I'm going to be real interested to see what the end results uh, will be. But I hope it's Angela Bassett because she delivers an incredible performance in that movie. But I would not be surprised to see Carrie Condon slide in because Best Supporting Actress is always the category that's like, uh, I, you have no idea who's going to win. And there are surprises throughout the history of the Academy in that category. Um, all right, let's move on to the next one. And that is Best Supporting Actor. And this is going to be interesting as well. Brendan Gleeson for Banshees of Inisherin, Brian T- Tyree Henry, as I mentioned earlier, nominated for Causeway. Judd Hirsch for The Fablements, uh, who's in it for, what, nine minutes? Barry <laughs> Keegan for The Banshees of Inisherin, and Kihi Kwan for everything everyone wants. Grevin, is there, uh, does Key. anyone win besides Kihi Kwan? Nope, nope. This, this is the biggest lock of the night. I Honestly, really? if, if, okay. if anyone other than Key wins, that will be the talk of the entire show. Uh, and it's and again, it is so so deserving. He is the soul of that movie, mm. uh, which is saying something because that's a movie with just like remarkable, remarkably powerful and emotional performances. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the fact that he's kind of the unanimous like 
yes, is uh, is awesome and good for him, man. I've just yeah. I've loved watching him go on this whole like awards circuit the, this mm-hmm. whole year. It's been uh, I've had as much fun watching him as he's probably had doing the whole thing. So yeah, this is the biggest lock of the night. Yeah. Okay, uh, Shannon, fully agree with Griffin. It's yeah. it's uh, Kiwi Kwans. I mean, the joy having him on the big screen again it's just i mean aside from his incredibly endearing speeches whenever he wins his 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 really heartfelt interviews that he's been giving on like the late night talk show circuit just watching him on screen again like you you see sort of the travesty of like that he did go away for so long because it looked like there were just no roles for him and the fact that he's getting to do this you know again so many years later and he just delivered such a great performance. I mean, as Griffin said, he really is the soul of that movie. And he's playing different characters. I yeah, mean, there yeah. is that there is that very definite delineation between when he's, you know, uh, what Way- Wayman Prime or, or the, was it the Prime Universe that the main universe yeah. is called uh, and Wayman that is, you know, Michelle Yeoh's husband. Uh, it's just, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see him deliver an acceptance speech. Yeah, I, I can't imagine anyone else winning. I think it's just such a lock for Kihi Kwan. And to think you've been kind of out of it for so long because you weren't getting cast and stuff. You were auditioning, you were trying to get on, and then to come back and get an Oscar, oh my God, what an yeah. incredible return that would be. All right, let's move on to best lead actress here, Kate Blanchett for Tar. Talk about contentious. That's, this applies here. A lot of drama around this category. Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna de Armas for Blonde. Andre Reesboro for two Leslie, Michelle Williams for the Fablemans, Michelle Yao for everything, everywhere all at once. Um, Shannon. I sure hope it's Michelle Yeoh. Um, like <laughs> Tar was one of the only Oscar nominated films that I had not watched. And yeah. I watched it um, right before <laughs> we recorded today. And as much as I did think like Kate Blanchett delivers an incredible performance, yeah. I just don't think it's, I, I don't think it was comparable to to Michelle Yeoh's. Um, again, a, a performer who has been around for so long, and we're just now getting to see everything that she can do. Um, yeah, I, I really hope it. Michelle, I hope it's Michelle Yeoh's to win, but I do think Kate Blanchett. It's a two. It's a two. It's a two person race right now. Yeah. Does the Academy implode if Michelle Williams wins? I'm just asking a question. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, no, no. The 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 Academy Get implodes if, if Andrea Riseborough wins. Oh. That, that, that's what I, I mean. Yeah, what happens if she does she even go up there and accept it? Like, is there a mutiny? What happens? I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> oh man. Do people walk out? I would not be surprised if a lot of people walked out. Yeah. Of that. yeah. So yeah, go ahead, man. What do you think? Uh yeah, I feel like it's gotta be Michelle Yeoh, but I I I mean I really do like Kate Blanchett and Tar, and I I and I love Tar too as just a, a film. I think it's it's interesting because it's like Michelle is giving a career defining performance and like a you know like look she's been in incredible movies, but this really feels like the like a like a moment for her like that'll you know transcend just the award season this is like she this will be one of the big things she's remembered for which is insane um so it it feels like it should go to her for that reason alone but also i mean just uh cape lanchette and tar uh it's so 
it's one of her best performances and she's like one of the greatest actors working. So it's like, you know, it's the same sort of thing, but I think that career defining element is what's going to push uh, Michelle over the edge um, and people like her. And it's just, yeah. you know, I don't know the next time where she'll have an opportunity like this. Whereas like Kate, I think tends to select projects that do get her. I mean, this is like, you know, she already has like two Oscars and she's been nominated like countless times, you know, deservedly. So, so I, I think, while it's a little bit up for debate right now, I, I gotta I gotta believe that they're gonna give it to Michelle. Yeah, I feel like Michelle will win this thing, but yeah, if they were to ever release the numbers, I bet it'll be by one or two percent. Oh yeah, so a yeah. lot of people do like Kate Blanchett's performance in Tar. Maybe not the film yeah. overall, but certainly her performance. So I'm gonna be very curious to see what happens. But then again, I would not be surprised if it ends up going to Kate Blanchett. Just yeah. like we got with Anthony Hopkins over Chadwick Boseman. Nobody saw that coming and it happened. So it's very, very possible, but I hope Michelle Yao wins. Um, all right, let's move on to our next one. That's best lead actor here. Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for Banshees of Inishir and Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Paul Mescal for After Sun and Bill Nagy for Living. So uh, Griffin, I go to you first. Man, really putting me on the spot. I, I mean, um, it was your turn. Let's go. Yeah, I know, I know. This is I. This might be the toughest category of the night, even more so Oof. than uh, Blanchett versus Yo. Okay. This is like because, you know, it's like on one hand, it's like Fraser has the momentum. He's given remarkable speeches, which goes a long way, and they're emotional, and you know he would appreciate it just deep down to his core. Um, and it feels like Austin's lost a little bit of momentum. Um, mm. even though I thought he was a lock to win it like a couple of months back. Um, but part of me is also like the Fraser Butler duel could make way for Colin Farrell to take it, which right. I also wouldn't be pissed about because that's arguably the best performance of his career too. So yeah, it's like, yeah. uh, I, my gut says Fraser right now. It feels like it's it's his moment, similar to to Michelle and like the the promotion and everything. Uh, but ugh, I mean, if he wins, it's probably just by like a by a hair, a very very slim margin. I yeah, I don't know. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts on this? Uh, again, this is going to be one of those. This is what I think will win. This is what I would want to win. Okay. Um, I, I do think Brendan Fraser wins it. Okay. Um, because I, I agree that Austin Butler was the front runner, then, then it was Brendan Fraser. Now it seems like recently Austin Butler's kind of coming back. But I think ultimately, mm-hmm. I think Brendan Fraser has won over the majority of voters at this point, and it's probably his. Who I would want to win is Colin Farrell. Because oh. um, mm-hmm. again, I, I have such a soft spot for that movie, even though um, you know I picked everywhere, everything everywhere all at once for screenplay over, yeah. over Banshees. I would really want to see colin farrell win it because it's just such a different performance for him i've never seen him look that vulnerable on screen and just the journey that his character goes on um yeah i I really wish colin farrell would win arguably delivering two of the best performances of the year with penguin and with what he did in Angels. two completely different performances oh after yang after yang too did you guys see that yeah oh my god yeah He's really soulful in that one as well. So just incredible yeah. range that he has uh, developed here as an actor. And I would argue he is like surpassed because I, I think you could have considered him in the same category with Brad Pitt, like these young guys who came in who were pretty and everybody wanted to put them as leads. 
but they had these more character actor type tendencies and Brad has had his moments for sure, but Colin has really blossomed into an yeah. actor. And I think this is where he's, and I agree with you guys. He delivered the greatest performance of his career in this film. Um, and yeah, I would not be surprised if he wins it, but I'm hoping that it's Brendan Fraser. That film is taking taken for me way too much unnecessary slack for what it, oh, it's yeah. not talking about all overweight people. It's talking about this person in this situation experience this journey and i i get real upset at people who try to extrapolate what is going on in that movie as some kind of commentary about people who are overweight it's got nothing to do with your personal experiences or your family or friends personal experiences that's that specific character in that specific story so for me i think he's taken undue hits for that but you know he's a sweet guy and he's given great interviews and i hope that he's the one standing. Wouldn't it be fascinating that if it's Michelle Yeoh, uh, Yao, Keith, Kehi Kwan, uh, Angela Bassett, and Brendan Fraser? We, we, so, I mean, it was so fantastic. It's uh, a lineup, uh, lineup. Yeah, it would be great. I, so, I will yeah. say the the Academy and the industry. I felt I I have felt so much love for Elvis mm-hmm. um, to the point where I'm actually shocked that Baz Luhrmann isn't nominated for Best Director. Yeah, that, that's know. pretty wild to me. But like. Yeah. I, I don't know how much Elvis is going to win. So part of me is like, I'm like, maybe if like, if you look outside of the SAG branch, a lot of those people I think will be going Elvis just because of that movie and that performance. Maybe. Yeah. So I, oh man, it's, it's such a toss up. I it's, it's a tough category. I think oh, just about every category has uh, the possibility for shocks. Yeah. Which I think is yeah. a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's move on to our uh, best director category real quick, and then we'll get into best picture and wrap this up. Martin McDonough uh, for Banshees, uh, The Daniels for Everything Everyone Wants, uh, Steven Spielberg for Fableman, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Oslin for Triangle of Sadness. I think we go to you first here, Shannon. Your thoughts? I mean, this is the Daniels all yeah. the way. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know who else wins this because as much as I love I'll fucking Banshees, tell you who else could possibly win this. <laughs> but yes, go ahead. As yeah. much as I love Banshees, I don't think the direction is what is what got that movie there. Um, to full disclosure, I did not. I have not watched Triangle of Sadness. Um, Tar, that movie, it, it, that's that's a that's a showcase for Kate Blanchett. Yeah. And that is not a bad thing. Um, and Spielberg, man, I. Like I'm a Spiel, I'm a Spielberg lover, but in terms of the things he has been nominated for, in my opinion, The Fablemans is rock bottom uh, over with his other nominations. Wow. I mean, it's just for, for me. And again, I know that movie struck a chord with some folks. It just didn't for me. So, so the Daniels is who I really, really want to see win this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, Griffin, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I guess because they the Daniels were up against Spielberg for the DGAs, right? Yes. And they went with the Daniels. So that means that it's I mean, I feel like it's probably going to be the Daniels and I, I'm not feeling any momentum for the Fablemans. Yeah. Uh, I, look, I, I, I would have really liked if, if like like in any other year, if the Fablemans is up for this, Spielberg's up for this. I, I would love to just kind of like give it to him for that for like what this movie means to him. I, the movie, I love the movie as well. And I, I, it meant a lot to me watching it. I got very emotional watching it. So I, I get it. It's not the flashiest movie he's ever (laughs) made for certain. Uh, but, uh, it, it was one that did strike a chord with me and I, it would have been just very like poetic and beautiful if he had won for this film, but just so happened to come out in a year where there's a lot of other great movies. So Yeah. yeah, I, I, 
I do feel like the Daniels, they, they feel like a pretty strong lock on this one. Yeah. But if, but if there's going to be someone that upsets them, it'll either be Spielberg or Martin McDonough just because the Academy loves McDonough and Banshees. So. They do. Yeah, I'm going to go Daniels as well, but I mean, there is a universe where Spielberg wins. But we may be living in it, so I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Something I, I can just see myself throwing the desk through the window. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right, let's move on. Uh, best picture here. Let's wrap it up here. We'll hit your Streamlabs and Super Chats to wrap up the show as well. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishir, and Elvis, Everything Ever All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking. Uh, Griffin, as our guest, I'll go to you first. Uh, everything Everywhere All at Once. That's, that's oh. a pretty big lock, okay. I, I think, in my opinion. Everything's okay. led to this moment. Is there a second choice that you think would be we could do this, could steal this? Uh, probably Banshees. That w- that would be the second choice. Although the I think, uh, see, it's that that's tough, right? Because of all the uh, all quiet on the Western Front, love and that yeah. momentum. I mean, that would be nutty if that movie came in and upset everything. I mean, I could see it happening, but I it, that's. That's one of the other multiverses. I think in this <laughs> in this <laughs> universe, we're we're looking at uh, everything, everywhere, uh, when for certain. Okay, uh, Shannon. Yep, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, again, the, the fact that a movie like this has made it into the Oscar conversation, um, you know, five years ago, to me, this doesn't happen. Like, it, I think yeah. it would just be too out there for the voting body. Um, but I do love the universe where Top Gun wins. <laughs> I mean, in terms of, <laughs> of pure rewatchability, I probably saw that movie five or six times in the theater. If, yeah. if I had a moment, I'm like, you know what? Let's let's go let's go see Top Gun again. But yeah, it's it's everything everywhere all at once this year. Okay. You know, Snyder's been working on me in my brain and scaring <laughs> me because. Last like two weeks ago, he's like, "There's no way they're giving it to a film with butt plugs in it," and I'm like, "Ah, maybe you're right." But Deadline coming out saying every saying uh, "All Quiet on the Western Front" could win Best Picture really threw me for a loop. Yeah. So i I think it'll be everything everyone wants because of the momentum, but I would not be surprised to see them say "All Quiet on the Western Front." The Academy has occasionally had a tendency to reward films that are not American-made films. We saw that with recently with Parasite. Yeah, We've seen that with um, uh, Chariots of Fire. We saw that with Shakespeare mm-hmm. in Love. So we've seen these films that have kind of taken people's attention and have you know kind of surprised people in one. So I would not be, because All Quiet on the is a phenomenal film. It is a magnificent film. It's better than 1917, and I thought 1917 was about the greatest film I would ever see about World War One, and it was incredible. So I would be wouldn't be surprised if it won, but I hope it's everything everyone wants for all kinds of reasons. So that's what here's, I'll, everything all wants. Here's what I'll say about the all quiet thing because I think the uh, I don't know if it was the yeah the original version of that movie I know it's based off of a, a book, but like the yeah, original yeah. version of that movie won Best Picture. So I have to imagine that it's also kind of like weighing on their minds as well as they're voting. They're like, okay, we we awarded this same story, best picture, way, yeah. way back when. Do we want to – is this movie as good as that, if not better? Is it worth that 
the recognition and uh i i don't know i mean do you do you guys think it's it's better than the original version or They're better than the original for the 1930s is that yeah 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 that, that yeah yes. the 19th you did okay yeah yes okay yeah i mean i, I cannot say that i saw the the <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i just i i feel like because i went to that's... the premiere that's all oh, yeah. <laughs> you hear that <laughs> i shared I the carpet with gobbo me <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I feel like because that is such an iconic, like classic movie, yeah. um, and especially a classic Oscar winner. I, I wonder if that, you know, plays a factor. It probably doesn't. It's probably just in my head, but great yeah. point. All no remake has ever won best picture. Great yeah. See, point. that's the other thing. That's the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're not Brits. Jonatus. We're not fucking Brits. It's a different situation. <laughs> we're not fucking Brits. Do you think you're Canadian because you live in America? It's two different countries. So, all right. Uh, all right. Let's uh, um, uh, let's uh, hit these Streamlabs Super Chats and get on out of here. I want to bring them up for everybody. And thank you to everybody who's hanging out with us here. It's 170 of you all are joining us. So please make sure you hit a like on this video and uh, subscribe to the channel as we're growing. Trying to get to 50,000 subscribers by the end of the year. That's right. I'm a crazy son of a bitch. I want to make that happen. Uh, here we go. Key, uh, Josh Murray says, Kihi Kwan and Brendan Fraser being favorites. Obviously, Encino Man has been slept on. Yeah, right. <laughs> Where's Sean Astin's uh, uh, nomination, for God's sakes? Yeah, gentlemen. Hey, man, a lot of people would argue he should have been nominated for yeah. Return of the King. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Derek Johnson saying, and that anonymous voter also said some crazy things about Top Gun and Till movie. Yeah, if you guys have seen that EW article where this... Yeah anonymous voter came out and bashed the woman king and bashed what uh, that person called um viola davis is crying about the nominee and then claimed later on they'd never even seen the woman king so that tells you the level of some of the oscar voters that we're dealing with and i go back and forth with uh, jeff snyder all the time about that so we have great fights about that shit so uh, it's sad to see. Uh, Chris Corcoran says, uh, God help us if we get a musical number in the slap. Oh, oh no. Yeah, 100%. We're going to do that. Uh, Josh says real quick, what are, the, what are the movies are you all surprised that you couldn't finish? Well, we talked about Good Boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for and for a silly comedy, not to be able to get to the end of it, it's like, ah, oh, that's too bad. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fair point. It's a fair point. That's... Anything you haven't finished lately, uh, uh, Griffin, that you can remember over the last uh, few years? Th that I'm, like, surprised by? No. I mean, oh, like, okay. I walked out of Gods of Egypt because that movie was ass. Mm. So, like, you know, that's – but I, I didn't expect anything great. Um, yeah. I, I, don't really I don't really walk out of movies, even, even if they're bad. I mean, the, the closest I came to walking out of one where I was like, I thought this was going to be good because everyone told me it was good was um, – uh, and actually, you know what, now that I think about it, I think I did – walk out of it maybe uh this was a while ago it's spring breakers i i hated that oh, movie God. i thought that was that, that was terrible <sighs> that was like you know years ago so i i other than that i can't really think yeah the film was raping my mind Derek johnson <laughs> says great show so far guys I always enjoy watching thank you Derek. even down a geek buddy john did you see the report on the anonymous voter who said all that stuff by viola davis we did i did I was going to do a video on it, to be honest with you, but I pulled a muscle this morning and I had no rage left in my body. I'm barely hanging on as it is. So if I wake up in a better place tomorrow, maybe I'll do a quick 10 minute video on it. But it's it was disgusting to read. 
And I think it absolutely destroys this idea that people seem to, people will vilify and question every section of this industry, but somehow Oscar voters are seen as these paragons of virtue who carry the golden chalice to the altar. And it's, fuck that. They're human beings just like us. They're susceptible to bias and prejudice. And some of them don't take their uh, job, ser- their voting uh, requirements seriously. I don't know how many people I spoke to in 20 years in LA who were assistants who filled out the ballots, Oscar ballots for their bosses, for God's sake. So uh, it, it's it's a ridiculous situation. Um, and I think it just devalues the award more and more. So um, all right, I think that's all the super chats. And we got one last one here all the way at the bottom. Let me throw it up here from uh, Joel Ramirez. Joel says, hey, gents, much love from Chicago. And shout out to Film Speak. Loving your content. Um, everything ever all at once flipped the script in a revolutionary way. I remember seeing it when it came out and felt incredibly moved. Glad it never went away. Yeah, guys, it's got to speak volumes, right? That it's stuck around this long. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and again, to to <laughs> to quote uh, your buddy, the Ian Snyder. I mean, the fact yeah. that a movie was about a uh, butt plugged uh, uh, butt plugged super super soldier um, <laughs> is in the conversation for best picture. That's hilarious. And again, yeah. I think uh, five years ago, it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. fair point. Joel also follows up saying, I actually had a great time with Babylon. I hope Justin wins for best score. Yes. Oh, my gosh, Joel, I hard disagree. <laughs> I know Shannon hated the score for Babylon. Wow. Didn't like, there wasn't much I liked about Babylon. (laughs) (laughs) Damien Chazelle, you know, he made my favorite movie of the year when it came out, which was Whiplash. Yeah. I was like, what an incredible movie. Then was the first, no, no. Then he made La La Land, which I'm like, okay, this, there's an audience. This isn't for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Then he made first man that I'm like, there are moments of brilliance here. Yeah. But overall, I think the movie just doesn't work. And then we get to Babylon. <laughs> and I mean, I, I think I, I think I thought about walking out just because it was just so freaking long. Um, but but also I'm like, I don't care. Like this is wow. just so not enjoyable to me. And then you get that whole montage at the end, like, oh, please <laughs> put me out of my oh, misery. Man. Griffin counter. Uh, oh yeah, dude! I fucking loved Babylon. That was my favorite movie of the year. What? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh it. man, I could not get enough of that. Just, uh, I was completely on this like wild ride that that Damien Chazelle took us through, and just like the debauchery and mayhem of old old Hollywood and uh, the spectacle of it all. What that meant, like yeah. I just, I don't know. There was so there's so much to that movie that I just chewed on for days afterwards, and the score. Oh, I love that score so much. I've not been able to get it out of my head. It it rules. It's so good. It's so good. I think Damien Chazelle's four for four, but that's also me. I, I, I also could not get the score out of my head, Griffin, but for an entirely different reason. I do like the score for All Quiet on the Western Front. I hope I hope it uh, slides in there. Joe Ramirez says, I knew Shannon was coming for it. Ha, ha, ha. I love Babylon, but touche, touche. There you go. Um, let's see. We got one last one. Dom, what's up, Dom? Uh, represented there of Carbon Health. Dom says James Jean did the poster art for three highly nominated films this year: Everything All at Once, Pinocchio, and The Whale. He's the real Oscar winner this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Can't deny that. Oh, real quick, uh, animated Pinocchio or Last Wish? Which one's gonna win? Puss in Boots or Pinocchio? Real quick. Oh, it's. I mean, it's Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah I think so yeah. too. Uh, yeah. Griffin, same thing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's that's another massive lock for the night, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Pinocchio is great. All right, one last uh, stream lab. We'll get out of here. Fantastic says, "Hey, geek buddies, thanks for the show." I'm sorry, I'm running out of voice here. Everything, everyone all at once was a good movie, but I was way more impressed with the editing than the story. I do think it has an outside shot of doing a Silence of the Lambs and sweeping all the categories, gentlemen. I'd be shocked. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'll let Shannon answer that first. I gotta okay. think about that for a second. I, I, you know what? I, I think if if Martin McDonough were not in the in the race, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think everything all at once could could possibly do a sweep. But yeah. I think just the presence of Banshees makes that maybe not happen. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, and Banshees and uh, All Quiet, I think that that yep. kind of mm-hmm. trio there. It's it's not like yeah. There's a world where I guess everything everywhere sweeps but i just think yeah. it, it, they'll probably spread the love a little bit more than we're thinking going yeah in. so i think yeah. so i think it's going to be a much more balanced oscars than we expect yeah and there will be surprises which i think is going to be great yeah, um, all right but let's wrap it up there you guys have been incredible hang out with us for almost two hours thank you very much and a big shout out to all the stream labs and super chats and the support you send to us here on the geek buddies uh, aka also the outlaw nation uh, please remember as we're wrapping up to subscribe to the channel, hit that bell button so you see when we're dropping content, live content, pre-recorded content, just like this. Um, uh, uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow, follow the uh uh, uh shire frolicking michael vogel it is at mk tune if you would like to follow the very present mr roca it is at the roca says thank you and of course you guys remember we have uh, uh the geek buddies is available on podcast and youtube format so if you haven't subscribed to our podcast go and head over there and subscribe to the podcast it's got its own feed uh, leave some reviews leave some rankings help us move up the chain there and get more and more listeners on there of the podcast for the geek buddies. So, and a uh, big love. Thank you so much to Griffin Schiller over at film speak for joining us today. Please Griffin plug everything. Give <laughs> us love so the people we can bring you some new audiences over to your great content, man. Yeah, no, for sure. Thank you guys so much for having me on again. It's been, it's been a blast. I, I don't usually get to talk about like, you know, current events, movie news and stuff like this off the cuff. So it's a nice, it's a nice change of pace. And uh, it's, I, I, it's a lot of fun. So thank you again for having me on and everyone who watched, donated, all that good stuff. It's been it's been great to have you guys engage in the conversation. Um, yeah, you can check out the FilmSpeak channel if you're interested. Just search FilmSpeak, uh, you know, video essays every week, either one to two, depending on, you know, how many we have in the works. Uh, I actually tomorrow, speaking of the Oscars, I have a Ooh. video dropping on Elvis tomorrow, which is this massive freaking video that I've been working on for like a couple of months now. So wow. I'm like... Yeah, I'm I'm really really stoked on it. I think it's going to be a good video when it when we uh, you know put the finishing touches on it. So, uh, yeah, dropping tomorrow, uh, and then a videos on Creed, Scream, uh, what else is coming? Out? Shazam, all all the all the new stuff, John Wick's, all that good stuff. So if you want some deep dives into all those movies and more, you can head on over to the Film Speak channel, check that out, and then if you want to listen to my ramblings, uh, Twitter at Griff Schiller. Yeah, um, I'm looking for the thumbnail. Yeah, there it is. Let me bring it up real quick. This is the thumbnail that oh, you yeah. all want to be looking for. This, there you go. The soundtrack of America. Yeah. That's yeah. the thumbnail we're looking for tomorrow when he drops it. Look at him using Austin Butler in that way. It's great. Look at that guy. Look at him. Look at Pretty guy. Smoldering. 
Boy, if he wins, is he going to do the Oscar? Is he going to do the Elvis accent? Well, he's <laughs> we'll I don't see. think he's. I don't think he's stopped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe Will Smith will come up and slap him. Anyway, let's get out of here. Thank you so much for joining us. We love you all madly. Take care of yourselves. Be well. Have a good weekend. And like I said, come and join me if you want for my live watch along of the Oscars on Sunday night. Until then, uh, take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll talk to you next time on a brand new episode of The Geek. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement, as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye.